you're really lucky it'll also be on not the footy show sometimes every so often maybe G'day everybody, welcome to episode 186, this is Not The Footy Show, I'm Warwick Nicholson and I'm joined after a little bit of a break, it's about a month since we last chatted, Mr Rob Cox from our Camden Studios. Yes, from my bed actually mate, and I'm not oh. in it, I'm on it, <laughs> um, and I am dressed this time when, when we're talking. I was going to say, not, not pantsless like normal? No, not like normal when we chat, no, not at all, um, I'm, I'm just kicking back after a, a nice day and um, oh yeah, good to talk to you again. It is. It's uh, been a month, guys, We and girls. We took a, a little bit of a bigger gap in between that, but it's time for finals. Best time of the year. Mm. Uh, we have, uh, obviously, the four qualifying finals or qualifying elimination finals this weekend, which we will talk about. We've got plenty to, to dig into happening around the game, but I wanted to open the show, uh, Cocksmith, talking mainly about why this is such a great time of year. And it's great to obviously have the games that matter, yeah. finally. Yeah. But... What are some of the games or, or final series from yesteryear? Let's go a little bit nostalgic to start. Yeah. That you just remember as like a, either a run of a team into the grand final, whether it was just a final series that was fantastic. I've got a few, but I'd love to hear if you've got any favourite final series over the years. Yeah, I've got a couple and, and for different reasons. When I was a kid, um, my family were, were diehard Parramatta supporters and therefore so was I for probably until I could really think for myself until I got to about 13 or 14. And um, I remember watching the... Um, now, the years are a bit of a blur here for me, but I remember watching the 81 grand final, which I believe was between Newtown and Parramatta, Parramatta's first uh, win. And, and just, um, you know, following that following that, that kind of the heyday of Parramatta when I was a wee little kid... Um, you know that that was kind of fun. You know, I'd I'd listen to I'd listen to 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 games on the radio, and um, you know because not every game was on TV back then. I'd listen to them on the radio as a kid. Yep. Um, so I liked that. I I I, I really liked um, you know uh, the Raiders in in '89 when they won in '89, and that for a different reason. Um, I didn't mind the Raiders. I mean, you know, I, I liked Ricky Stewart as a player, and I liked Laurie. And, yep. Um, and, and I played against a couple of those guys in a couple of rep teams. Um, but the, the, the reason why I, I liked the 89 grand final, well, I thought I was going to like it because I had this girlfriend that I was kind of seeing and her parents mm -hmm. were Matt diehard Balmain supporters. And, mate, probably seven or eight minutes before the end of that, I was, I was about to find a reason to give her a call out of the blue to you know, <laughs> congratulate her yep. for Fair point. following Fair her point. team. And um, I crashed and burned, unfortunately, because I never got to make that call. Um, so yeah, but it was, what might have been what might have been. been. But it was uh, yeah, it was fun, mate. I, I more recently, you know, obviously, 
um, the Dragons, the, the July premieres every year are fantastic to follow. I, I think you've been a bit... Yeah, you know, after challenges there, July seems a little bit late in the season given the premiership <laughs> based on what they've been doing. Yeah. Let's let's talk March, April. I think that's um, what one of the name of our podcasts were at the start of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. the 2010... You know, when you finally yeah. uh, broke that duck from such a period, that obviously would have been a highlight for you. That was a good one, mate. I was in the dressing room after the game and um, uh, had a couple of beers with a few of the guys that I knew in, in the team then. Um, and it was good, mate. It's been, it had been a long time, um, you know, long time between drinks, so to speak. And um, it was a, it was like the, you know, it was almost like the damn wall had busted. It was, it was, it was very nice. But um, yeah, it, I don't know. When, when's the next one going to be, though, was? Well, I think it's going to be over in about a week, this uh, finals campaign. Uh, we'll talk about the Dragons as we get into the show, everybody. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a interesting last couple of months. Having said that, I do owe Cocksmith dinner because they yep. finished ahead of the Raiders once again. The, the final series, there's two. 89 was amazing. Uh, I was probably a little bit young to completely appreciate it in the time that it happened. Obviously, I remember the grand final quite well and the way the Raiders got through that series, but not in the same way I could consume another final series five years later uh, in the 994 final series. I think that's the, the best quality final series I can remember mm. from go to woe. Mm. Uh, if anything, the, the grand final was a bit of a blowout, but the quality in which Canberra played in that grand final was just amazing. Mm. Uh, but every semi-final leading into that stage was outstanding rugby league. I Do yourself a favour, jump on YouTube. I think it's the Magic Moments uh, DVD or VHSs that were sent out. They're all on there. Watch those games from the 94 final series. Get yourself psyched for this weekend in the NRL final series for 2018. We will talk uh, a few more things that aren't quite as exciting as the finals, and that's Mad Monday after the break on the footy show. Not the footy show. My name is Mad Mardigan. Okay, we're back. It's episode 186 of Not the Footy Show. Cocksmith at one end of the line, myself at the other. We're trying something a little bit different with the recording tonight, everybody. So if we actually have no podcast, that's on me. Uh, we have to talk about Mad Monday involving the Bulldogs. Um, the story has broken in the last couple of days, obviously since Monday, Cocksmith. Mm. I filled you in before with a bit more of the detail. Uh, people out there probably know it, but the NRL's handed down a $250,000 fine for effectively bringing the game into disrepute and all that jazz. Uh, the Bulldogs have turned around and fined uh, the four players involved significant amounts of money. Uh, Adam Elliott and Asapelli, Asapelli fine are both 25 grand uh, fines and Marcelo Montoya and Zach Wolford both with 10. Now there are some suspended elements in that and the club has come out and said look we don't think it's good enough. They agree with the NRL. My theory on that is that if you show a lot of remorse because it is in the press release from the NRL, you get a lesser fine or more of it suspended. Cocksmith, firstly, do you think the fine number is excessive or accurate? Well, and uh, yeah. thirdly, as, as you think of that, uh, should a lot more clubs be a lot more worried about people going back and looking at what they've done in even the last five years, let alone the last 20 or 30? Mm. Before I answer those questions, what are the allegations? So everyone knows, what are the, what what's happened? Tell us what's happened. <sighs> Well, they've uh, carried on is the best way I can describe it. Okay. Uh, they went down to a um, hotel in the in the city, and uh, they were they were filmed yep. or captured with uh, uh, basically zoomed in iPhone shots. Yep. Uh, the interesting part of that being uh, 
one of the papers did ask all the fans out there, if you see players out on Mad Monday, send us your photos. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, crucified this team afterwards. Mm. Uh, so, effectively, very drunk, uh, vomiting, nudity, whatever you want. Um, yeah. Pretty much a good idea out for a lot of people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the... the, the the long and short of it is, you know, the game doesn't need this. Is the story? No. Look, um, it's not a good look. You know, it, it's 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 not something that we want. Although, if it was just some Neville in a pub, you'd probably just kind of turn your back and not look at them. But the rugby league players, you know, we've we've gone through this year after year. They have to understand that they aren't just regular people. You know, they yep. they and 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 look. To be honest with you, those four definitely aren't the highest profile players in the in the club. I don't think Zach Wolford has actually played first grade, has he? Um, uh, don't think so. No, so he's, he hasn't debuted. Um, the others have, um, but they should know better. The fine's big. Um, the fine from the NRL is big, and uh, you know, hopefully that that will will kind of shock them into you know the whole Mad Monday thing's fun. You know, like don't get me wrong, it's it's going out with your mates after having a having a big year be it, be it successful or unsuccessful in the Bulldogs case um, is neither here nor there you, you, you blow off some steam but geez, yep. I, I would have thought that there's better ways to do it this year and if you must do it I mean I know a few years ago the Bulldogs basically kept their team in a compound um, <laughs> and they got on the field and they had barbecues on the field and not the James Maloney style barbecues, I don't think, but they had a barbecue on the field and they yep. um, got blindingly drunk and then they got taxied home whenever that hour may have been. Um, I think the clubs need to keep more of a control on it. You can't, they're not kids. You can't stop them from drinking, um, yep. but there needs to be a tighter control on it. And um, it's a bit, it's a little bit of a, a unfortunate thing for the Bulldogs at the end of the year because they're quite good for the last four or five weeks um, you know and it's a, a bit of a, a stain on them at the moment but um, you know it's young blokes doing what young blokes do yeah that's a very good point and where I struggle with this is more that you know they were lined up in terms of the media desperately wanted a story out of this they got the story they wanted mm. um, 250 seems excessive for mine in that you know they'll appeal it Right. Well, that, I, I don't know if they'll appeal. It depends on what the NRL ends up um, coming to as a figure. Um, yeah. That's the, the big element because uh, in the press release, as I said, they, they mentioned that depending on what the Bulldogs do... Yeah, it'll be um, some of it will be suspended, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, half of most of the players' ones are suspended. Uh, just a, a call out here, and it's, it's just a bit disappointing, really, because uh, the Bulldogs' Ken Stephen Medal uh, nominee is Adam Elliott. Um, yeah. He does work with... Uh, uh, kids with special needs and it's just something that you that's the bit that disappoints me and it's not so much the game impact here it's just like here's a guy that's clearly doing some awesome stuff yeah and he's gotten the grog and it's like it could have an impact on his relationship with the organization that he helps because i mean that's his that's his yeah it's, he's going to be connected to it and it's just it's really sad and that's the stuff that worries me because you know People read the papers, yeah. and friends of friends read the papers, and all of a sudden, you know, do I want? You know, oh, it just disappoints me. And um, yeah, I agree with you. The club probably could have done more in terms of trying to, um, what's the word, uh, corral 
yeah. where they were and all the rest of it. But yeah. um, I'll get to a point in a second, but you've got something you want to say. No, I was just going to say, mate, look, it, it's, you know, definitely what they've done have, have kind of, I wouldn't even say, be as strong as to say they've brought shame on the club. They've, they've kind of embarrassed themselves, you know, a bit. I don't think it's going to affect, Adam Elliott is a decent man. Um, yep. I don't think it's going, they're all decent, you know, they're not, they're, we're not talking about, you know, guys going out and assaulting people and, you know, um, doing cra- real crazy things. Yeah, they just got loose. Uh, I'm not saying that they sh- they should have gotten away with it cleanly, but I don't think it's going to affect him long term as far as working with kids and stuff like I that. I hope not. I I'm just, it it's, again, it's that it it's the way that public perception is always taken and mm. he's been on the front of the papers and all that kind of stuff and it's just that, it's that sad follow-on effect i guess is what disappoints yeah, me well mate look last week who who you know dugan and and Fafita are on the front of the papers i mean they'll put anyone on the front of the papers these days let's be honest really and that probably takes me to my point uh a week ago we were talking about the cronulla sharks breaking the salary cap busting the salary cap mm. everyone's arms were up in the air and um we're a week on they found a new story and we've moved on and this is where i, I guess i want to bring up the fine and the number yeah um why is this considered more significant and easier to um, swap down a club than if there's been a self-reported salary cap breach or whatever the uh, the final details of the Cronulla situation was? What what concerns me is that this fine matches or gets close to fines that have been given down to Parramatta, to the Bulldogs, etc., 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 for breaking the salary cap in the past. And the bit that really sticks in my craw is that the Sharks apparently didn't reach the threshold to get hit this um, this fine mark or lose points mark. And yeah. we still don't know what the final details on that is. And that's the bit that I just can't understand. Why is that let's let go and let go through the keeper, yet they come down so hard on the Bulldogs for this? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, mate. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I heard that the, the... I heard, and I didn't hear from anyone at yep. the NRL, but yep. the, no, no. the hearsay was that the they'd popped the salary cap by 100 or 150 grand. Um, yep. you know, and and yeah, a dollar is over the salary cap, and 150 is a long way over the salary cap, um, for for in some people's eyes, um, uh, and look, I, I guess, I guess what you're saying is what's worse, a bunch of blokes going out and getting pissed together, or someone cheating a salary cap, um, yep. which which one's worse? And I think they're I think they're they're both bad. If you were to push me and say which one's worse, I'd say the salary cap breach is worse because you. Your your whole game is built on the premise that the teams are going to be you know, adhere to salary caps, you know. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you'd hope that that the game was within its own limitations. Uh. You know, and I, mate, I, I can't tell you why one fine for for blokes being drunk, um, in public is is similar or in the same ballpark as a salary cap breach. Um, what I can say though is, is you know, and you and I have had a laugh over the last few weeks uh, about certain things, you know, about referees and whatnot. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you now, I, I think that, that the NRL should be tough on certain things, and I think the salary cap is probably one of the toughest things they should be. Yeah. And, and I, I actually believe that any club that goes over the salary cap, whether it's self-reported or otherwise, I actually think that the NRL should find them the following year ten dollars to every dollar they've gone over the salary cap. So if it was of 150 over the next year, 
it's going to cost them 1.5. I know that sounds excessive and a lot. Well, it's like it's like a luxury tax they've got in the US sports, where basically you've got your salary cap, and then the um, commissioner's office pretty much says to them, "Well, if you want to spend more than that, we're going to you have to pay x x more yep. than what you're actually spending to to have that." Um, that th- or go past that threshold. Well, basically, and, yeah. and you're right. Yeah, and 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 I also think that if a team, if it's proven that a team goes over a salary cap by, you know, you could pick an, a nominated figure, might be fifty grand. If they go over by fifty grand or more, and they win a premiership that year, it gets stripped automatically. Um, yeah, you know, again, it's very easy to do to to make these rules up in hindsight, which we have fun doing. Um, but it's it seems that it's very hard to to force a club to adhere to the, the cap when they're looking after their own um you know their own kind of it's business it's muddy waters it is place, i mean know, and you know there's lots of other muddiness in it as well which we've spoken about before which is mm. third party agreements uh which don't get you know don't get counted towards the salary cap that's one of my bugbears um but yeah it seems that you know it's that the, the, the whole salary cap is is more stringent for some than others um and i'm not saying that anyone's cheating i'm just saying you know when we're talking about clubs spend a certain amount of money on on their team there's some clubs because of third-party agreements can spend a whole lot more than that you know and um yeah it's it's and that's where i think we get to the point you made a little bit earlier around what's the what's the magic number well Clearly, the magic number was X amount for Parramatta. It was X amount yeah. for the Bulldogs. It was X amount for Melbourne. And apparently, this is you know not quite there. And that's I, the bit that I just go. Yeah, I, I think that how many how many yeah how many photos were needed to be of the Bulldogs players at yeah. this um, Mad Monday that equated to two hundred and fifty thousand. Well, yeah, yeah. You, did you? Yeah, exactly right. But I, I also think that there's you know they obviously get um, as far as the salary cap goes. If you self-report, um, it that's looked upon favourably. Um, and obviously the number, I, I would suggest to you that if the number was 1.5 million that they've gone over the cap versus the 100 or 150 that I, I heard, uh, again, mm. in the street, not by anyone that would know anything, um, then, um, you know, it's a big difference. So I guess I, cheating is cheating, but it depends how much you steal out of the Monopoly bank. You know, like if you... Well, let's uh, turn our attention to the finals after the break and uh, let's talk about the teams that may or may not have... Uh inflated rosters because of that we'll be back uh, to go through the four semi-finals after the break on Not The Footy Show Not The Footy Show It's only a freaking phone here and the boss needs the info Okay it's time to pick a winner uh, Cocksmith we've got the four uh, qualifying finals elimination finals whatever you want to call them uh, first week of the finals for 2018 we've yeah. got the Storm up against the Rabbitohs the Panthers against the Warriors yep the Roosters against the Sharks, and the Broncos against the Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will touch on all those teams. Uh, the first thing off the rank, though, I want to ask you is, should the NRL have made a bigger effort or made a decision to have had a double header on that Saturday? Okay, here's my thing. As you know, I'm a, a unabashed Phil Gould fan. I love me some some Gus. I love Gouldy. Oh, Gouldy, we just lost half our listeners, but that's all right. I yeah. don't care. So three no, people like stopped well. listening. I love Gus. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Gee. Here's the thing. Gus said something on 100% footy the other night, which you know, which kind of made me think, and and I agree with him. Of course, of course, I agree with him. Of course. But so apparently, straight after the game last week between um, the Broncos and 
well, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what a game was. He said that straight after the game, it might have been the Penrith game, he called Todd, yep. Todd Greenberg and said, um, you know, why, what, you know, are we going to have a double header? And Todd Greenberg was like, yeah, I'm thinking of trying to get a double header at Allianz. And Gould was like, well, mate, that's not going to work. Um, our fans live 65 k's away. You know, yep. um, and I and I get and I know why. And, he, and Gus said, "Why can't we have a game at Penrith?" And he said, "No, no, you know we can't have a game at Penrith." But, but here's the thing: the thing that sticks with me with this is we can't have a game at Penrith, but we ha- can play at Allianz, where the Roosters are—that's their home ground. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So why not take mm. both of those games to a neutral ground in between the two Sydney teams? In, in you know, in in the Roosters and Penrith. And put it both at ANZ, which is neither of their home grounds. Double header, ANZ, Saturday night. How good? I would have thought that would be fantastic. You know? Yeah, it would be a, Don't a you wise think? idea. The, the reasoning I heard was um, that... What was I going to say? They, they couldn't move the game to ANZ. Why? as a double header because that would be unfair to the minor premiers for having to make them move away from home. Um, yet they couldn't play the Panthers at Allianz because it would be unfair to the team that finished sixth to play a game, or se- a fifth, sorry, to play a game away from close proximity well, to where their fans well, are. Well, hold on. They're the rules. <laughs> the rules are that... <laughs> That's my point. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. Back in the day, back in the glory days of rugby league, what would you and I consider the glory days anyway, the 80s and 90s, no one had yep. a home final at all. Exactly right. They played at the SCG or the, or the SFS when it was, you know, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't, I don't think they should have home finals for anyone. Screw the home final, play to neutral ground. You know? Yeah. I really don't. Uh, it, it's, yeah, the, another reason why they couldn't do it, and this is the other bit that was kind of hilarious, um, was that they are committed to doing this, um, situation where X amount of teams get X amount of days off in between whatever. So there's never going to be a top four game played on the Sunday. So that already ruled them out playing um, sort of both days in on the weekend in Sydney, which was kind of annoying. Mm. But they're also going head-to-head with the AFL on Friday night. I understand that the AFL, but I also understand there's a game at, at the SCG on yeah. Saturday night <laughs> right next to the Sydney Right next to... The Sharks and the uh, Roosters. Yeah. What it boils down to here is that they made a real... I saw a, a very interesting discussion. I won't reveal who had it. Um, but the NRL does lose money doing a doubleheader because yeah. effectively you can't double the prices. Um, That's right. You miss out on all the extra corporate element uh, that comes in because obviously you've got twice the amount of corporate boxes, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get a crowd unless you obviously play it at um, ANZ that is significant enough to, to make that impact or make up that money. Yep. But I'll, I'll draw it back to what I said before where I'm not unhappy that Greenberg asked Gould's opinion. Um, I'm just I'm not surprised. entirely sure that, that Todd did ask Phil's opinion, mate. I think Phil just called Todd. Well, either, either, but I'm saying he would have listened to it. Yeah. Um, yep. And, you know, I the, the probably the thing that is most interesting and um, I, I just how do I put it I'm just surprised we um, 
couldn't find a way. I'm, I'm probably more surprised we couldn't find a way to play the two Sydney games on different days. That's the bit that probably bugs me the most in this whole situation. Because mm. look, I'm a I'm, my team's not playing in the finals. Um, just no shit. <laughs> I'll just mark that place where I've got to beep that little word. Uh, and essentially, I would happily go to probably both games if I could. Yeah. But I'm not going to be able to do that now. And that's a lot of people that if you want to play the argument, oh, it costs us money to have a double header. Yeah. We're going to lose money. Well, you're also you're effectively playing the same card by having two games in Sydney that you cannot get physically to both matches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You are already pulling up half your audience because there'll be a lot of fans that'll pick one of those two games or... In the worst case scenario for the NRL, there's Sydney fans who will go, stuff going to Allianz, stuff going to ANZ. I'm going to sit at home with my 20 mates and watch the game on games back-to-back on TV. Yeah. Now, that's the thing that I'm sure they considered, but it's a it, it, that to me is, is almost overwhelmingly why you just say, stuff the extra day. We yeah. need to put our best games on both days in Sydney and just deal with it because it's better financial decision for the game and we want to see more people at the ground. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, interesting. But I, I would have thought that if you want to see more people at a ground, play, play Penrith at Penrith. Play, do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, mm. I know that it, I know that we've since we've gone to this top four, bottom four kind of thing rather than what it used to be, I believe, in the early days of the top eight was 1v8, 2v, you know, um, and only one and two were guaranteed. It was a, the lowest yep. two ranked teams would go. Um, you know, I, I, I think that I think that it's it's just a weird it's a weird kind of a makeup. And I know that it's a compromise, but um, you know the the way that they've got the top four and the bottom four in their pools, um, the way it is, you know, I think one and two should have their home game as the Roosters and Melbourne are, are having. How about it? And and five and six should have their home games for the first week of the finals. Their home ground should be you know, every, well, that everyone, whole... everyone but Penrith of those <laughs> teams are getting their their home games. Penrith aren't. Well, it brings up what I complain about every year. I haven't been able to complain about it um, with my team well, actually involved. Let but loose three years Go ago. On. And about three years ago, the Raiders they finished second. They had a home final in the first week. If they'd won that match against Cronulla they would have been forced to have played in Sydney in the third week of the finals. Yet, they have the same amount of people who can attend their home game as the Warriors do in Auckland, mm. um, as the Cowboys do in Townsville. Um, for some reason, those rules go out the window when it comes to those games. Anyway, we've got to get to the matches because that's what people are actually tuned in for, not our uh, pontification yep. on... Go on. Why games Let's go. Play. Let's get in. Uh, Melbourne versus South. It's Friday night. It's Amy Park. It's... Who's going to play number seven for the Storm? It's Sam Burgess, you know, South Sydney for life, except for when he didn't play for them. Uh, he didn't play rugby league I'm for really... anyone else, so, mate. Let's be fair. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Don't well, pick on play. big Samay. Samay. Uh, I lean towards the Storm, and I'll tell you why. Go because on. I don't trust one week of good footy from South. Mm. South have been patchy, but I'm going to back South, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because Ooh, Tell me why. South have done this to me this year. I've written South South off a couple of times. First of all, when they first started with Seabold, I wrote them off because I thought he was a Nev and I was proven wrong. Yep. Um, and I just keep forgetting about him. And that's a, it's, a, it's a team that they're flying under the radar, man. They really are. I know that when they play, people expect things of them. But out of all of the eight 
I, I just keep forgetting that they're there and it really worries me. Um, and when I say worries me, I'm not that concerned about them, but what I'm thinking is they're, they're flying nice and low. Not too many people other than Melbourne this week are worried about them at the moment, you know. Um, but, mate, they, like, they're destroying teams when they get it right. Mm. You know, I know that they beat the Tigers the other night, the Toothless Tigers, but forget about that game. But a few times this year, they've—I know that they sometimes stumble and fall. But they, if they get it, if if they get it ninety percent right with Inglis back in the team, um, who's looking fitter and meaner than I've ever seen him. Yeah, he, he looks fantastic. He looks didn't great, he? mate. He's he's on. You know, although he was coughing a bit the other day when when I was with him, and he's a bit of a cold, but he'll get over that. Um, the, the three Burgess... Yeah, there's your inside information, kids. Yeah. The three Burgess triplets... I feel like I'm there. Um, you know, and, and uh, um, Adam Reynolds is playing great footy, as is Cody Walker. Let him go. Let him go. Remember that last year? Um, mm. He played that little song. Do you remember that? Yeah, you remember. <laughs> Wasn't that the start of the year? Yeah, you remember. I don't know. No, I, yeah, think, I yeah. thought it was last year. Um, anyway, Dane Gagai's <laughs> playing great. I mean, I don't need to go through the whole team. You know they're playing well. Um, and I can see them causing an upset on on Friday evening, mate, and I hope they do. I look at the game they played against each other six or seven weeks ago. Mm. Uh, it was the last really good performance from South. They beat uh, Melbourne in Sydney. Yeah, Damien Cook was outstanding. Yeah, he was. He that fantastic he try. Made, he, he was made great Cameron throughout the match. Smith, he is... made Cameron Smith look like an old man. I think we touched on we um, that in the last podcast we did, actually, yeah. and... I just I don't think Melbourne are one of those teams that remembers the last time they got embarrassed, mm-hmm. and that was one of those games. I think Melbourne at home uh, come through with the goods. They'll get a week off and uh, send South into a uh, another semi final next week. That's my feeling. I'll go Storm by two. Yeah, I'm going to go South by eight. Whew, that's big. Yeah, that's okay, the next match is. Uh, at Allianz, ANZ Stadium, sorry, it's the Panthers and the Warriors. Uh, 5.30 kickoff. Yeah. I'm not in love with this. I I know why Channel 9 want to go back-to-back on a Saturday night, but if this game was at 3 o'clock, yeah. I just have a feeling that we'd get so many more people. But anyway, mm. uh, Penrith, oh, um, everyone wanted to write them off the moment they sacked uh, Griffin and played bad for two weeks. All of a sudden, they found themselves back in fifth spot. They uh, missed out on the... Um, the top four by one game. Maloney's back after a week. He's the you know he's the catalyst for them as far as I'm concerned. Um, if he can run around and not be too inconvenienced, uh, they are deserved favourites going in. But I'm going with the Warriors. Mm. I have a feeling that SJ. I saw him play against Canberra uh, last week. He was outstanding. He was busy. He was dancing. Left, right, across the field. Um, Isaac Luke, I think, still wants to prove everybody deserves another contract. Mm. Uh, that forward pack, I think, can hold Penrith. I don't think Penrith's forward pack's been particularly impressive of late. Uh, and I don't know. I, I'll just, I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go the Warriors uh, by four. Okay. Well, I'm going Penrith um, because I, I agree. I think Maloney is definitely the, you know, the. Um, the linchpin in there. I mean, as as much as I think of of Nathan Cleary, and um, as good as I think he is, he he definitely at this stage of his career needs a uh, 
a wingman, um, so to speak, or more like he plays wingman to Maloney. But look, I I think that the forwards that that um, Penrith have got will run over the run over Warriors, and that's how they'll win. Um, they'll they they'll be tougher on the edges, um, and it'll allow Maloney and and um, Cleary to do the business in the middle. I'm I'm going Penrith by ten. Oh, big, big score. Uh, we go to the, you know, as we mentioned before, across the ditch. Uh, no, across the ditch of Sydney, basically, uh, to the Alliance. Um, the ditch being, what, Canterbury? Um, sorry if you live in Canterbury. Um, Roosters and Sharks. I never get excited about this game. I don't know what it is. Uh, I do. What is? Why don't I get excited about this matchup? No, I said I do. I get excited. I like it. I'm into it. I just, oh, I don't know. I just, it's, I, I, ah, I just don't know. Well, but you don't I do like know that I am. Teams. That's why. No, I, I like parts of them. Um, Name I'm going to go. Was. Name and shame. No, I don't know. Um, I'll have to go on a podcast and explain why I don't like some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Cronulla by two. There you go. You didn't expect that, did you? You thought I was going to go to the Roosters, didn't you? Didn't you? Didn't you? Didn't you? you? I I agree with you on that. Cronulla are going to win that game, and I I think Cronulla are probably going to win it tight, maybe by four. Yep. Um, What's the theory behind that? I mean, I just think uh, the Roosters. Yeah, I just they did finish first. Go on. Uh, I'm saying the the Roosters did finish first. That's that's a factor. Yeah. Look, I I I think the Roosters have got to be respected. They they definitely were the most consistent team all year, even though it was a very close close race I just think that I think that the Sharks are going to be too gritty for them they're going to be too tough um, not that I don't think the Roosters are tough I just think the Sharks have got that they'll arm wrestle you they'll, they're, they're the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu team of the Rugby League they will they want to get on the ground they want to get around your neck they want to get on your back and they you know they just want to strangle you and that's what they're going to do can't disagree they're probably going to be the Premiers from... by the way I'm, I'm going to go. Oh, he's early. gone off early. He's gone off early. Uh, let's go to the last match. So we both got the Sharks to win that last match up to Brisbane. Um, let's hope that if they get their Sunday game, which they bleed on about all the time, the Broncos, mm. that they get forty thousand this one. I hope they do. They um, Brisbane and St George. Now we've held off for half an hour not to give mm. the the Dragons any stick. Now I I have to be honest with you, people. When I was inciting a um, a podcast tonight, I did ask. Uh, uh, Cocksmith, um, if we could just come make sure we covered three topics around the podcast tonight. Number one was why do the dragons suck? Number two was how how much do the dragons suck? Mm. And number three was where is the dragons mad Monday being held next Monday and how much will it suck? Mm. Can you answer any of those questions, yep, Cocksmith? I can answer. What was the first one? Ask me. <laughs> why do the dragons suck? Well, they don't. Let's be honest. What what happened to the dragons this year was state of origin screwed them, mate. Um, I can't say that's what happened to them last year or the year before or the year before that. But uh, quite, I mean, mate, look who they lost this year in State of Origin. Um, and and I, the, the players just look tired. They just look like they're... Yep. They just look like they've they've played 40 games this year, um, you know, and, and I, I just think that they're tired. I think that they're broken. Uh, I think that they will go down the... the, the the tubes like a turd out down a dunny this weekend. Um, they'll be finished. The the Broncos will towel them up. Uh, I'd say that they'll probably give them a, a good shellacking this weekend. I, yep. Uh, and, and I'm not happy about it, by the way. Um, no, but I, never. I don't think that there's much the Dragons can do about it. They're they're fighting a they're fighting a nuclear war this weekend with with old army rifles. Um, 
and that's nothing against the players they've got. They just look tired, mate. I mean, uh, I don't think the coach is the problem. Um, you know, a lot of people want to want to you know, get rid of McGregor. I don't think he's the problem. If he can do the job for the first 16, 17, 18 weeks um, and then, you know, kind of get shut down by players that are falling falling over or, or players, you know, I, I, the only thing that I think Mary might have learned a bit this year was how to deal more with Origin because this is, this is the yeah. biggest... Um, influx of, of club players into Origin that he would have had to deal with. Um, mm. I would have suggested again, and and geez, 20, you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's beautiful to have. But I probably would have rested every single one of those players for two weeks after Origin, um, and given them time off. Maybe Tarek didn't need it, um, but you know, the rest of them, mate. I mean, Debellin and and Vaughan and and Frizzell, Frizzell, Ben Hunt. Um, you yeah. know, Ben Hunt's playing like a man with no confidence at the moment, and I think that's got a lot to do with he's tired. He's he's you know we've had a big year, um, but the the Broncos will do a number on on the weekend, mate. Um, and the Broncos will win that game by twelve plus, in my opinion. Twelve plus. I'm going to go Broncos by six. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think it's more of a case of where the Dragons are than necessarily where the Broncos are, and heading into this game. My theory with the Dragons, and I. I know I brought it up in early podcasts this year. Mm. I really liked what McGregor did with his forwards. He was making sure that he got Paul Vaughan on twice before the end of the first half. He was using his big guns and using his big guns. Mm. But I did put a like a little bit of a cautionary tale out at the time, and I said that the challenge you're going to have then is that you're going to run out of juice at some point. You can't keep running your forwards around like this and, and putting your trust in them every single week for the whole season. Yeah. Throw in Origin on top of that mm. and you end up with the situation that the Dragons face. And that is players get injured or players aren't available and all of a sudden the players that you have basically told when they've been sitting on the bench getting one minute, two minute, no minutes, you're not good enough to get into the game. All of a sudden you've got to rely on them to play big minutes in a competition they haven't really had a chance to play in the whole season, let alone maybe two you put the strain on then those players who are still in the lineup who just feel like they've got to do it all themselves. Because, yeah. I mean, if you're not playing with these players, you can't inherently trust them that they can do the same job. And that's the that's the balance for some coaches. I mean, it's, it's what you see. All the coaches, they learn over a period of time what you can and can't do with certain players. I mean, the best example I can think of is, and it's, it's why, um, you know, the, the Cam- let's take the Cameron Smith thing, for example. He pretty much admitted that it wasn't until last year that he woke up after Origin and couldn't move. Yeah. Now, that's the one of the greatest Origin players, club players we've ever seen, who has just been a freak and has been as durable as anybody we can remember. Yeah. You go back a step to a rep player level or a club player level and you're asking them to do that after running him ragged for the first sort of 12 weeks of the season to have this drop off isn't a surprise it doesn't mean that it was guaranteed to happen but the writing's on the wall to an extent and then you get to the end of the year and you're wondering why you can't put it all together again because the the roll on i mean you know from doing what you've done in uh, rugby league and i know what i've done in terms of just our coverage of this game it is an it's a massive boulder going down a hill and you're just trying to stay in front of it yeah now if you're playing <laughs> the game and you can't take your breath and you can't get your energy back like 
it must seem like it's impossible. Yeah. And that's the bit that worries me about the Dragons is it's not a case of there's not enough quality in their team. It's just that you've got to a point now where there's nothing left in the tank. And Brisbane aren't a great football team, but I think they will go out there on Sunday and I'm saying by six, but it could be 60. Um, and it's 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 concerning because what do you do if you're Paul McGregor next year? Well, I think I think I think Mary will have learnt a lot. Um, you know, like I said before about managing things, and I, and I think what what happens is, mate. I think with I know that Mary did a bit of coaching, um, not, not junior football, but I believe if I remember correctly, he might have coached the twenties or something like that. But he he wasn't a long and he didn't have a long and distinguished career before uh, in in jun- more junior football than NRL that when he when he was handed the reins, you know. So yeah. Um, I think he's learning his trade as he goes. He know obviously knows a lot about football, played football at every level, uh, and very well. Um, but but I think he's you know what happens. What happens is I think that that coaches they get so hungry for wins that they'll kind of do whatever they need to to get the team to win, and that might yep. work for for four, six, eight weeks. But like you mentioned before, it, it has a negative effect on a team in in as much as it, it wears them down. They get they get grinded down and then throw origin in with that, you know, and they, they're getting no breaks. And I, and I think that, I think that he, he will learn from this, this year. I, I really hope they hold on to him for at least another year um, because yep. he clearly can coach. Um, you know, you don't lead the competition for, you know, um, 12 weeks of the competition and you can't coach. You can obviously do it. He, I think he just needs to learn a little more finessing of a, a team and, and being able to guide them through a, a, a tough period. And he'll, you know, he'll learn. He's a smart bloke. But it's about being flexible, isn't it, really? It is. Res- respect. And, and that's and something ha- you learn from any line of work. Yeah, and having plan Bs as well. And sometimes it's tough when you've got a, you know, a roster, a salary-capped roster, um, and you've got some standout players. It's tough to bring in a a player that's only 70% as, as good as Paul Vaughan yep. um, and sitting him down for a week to give him a rest. I mean, um, but I think sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and do that, especially after Origin. I mean, I've got other, as you know, we've spoken about this before, I've got other theories about how I think the competition could be run more fairly um, if you wanted to include Origin in it. I think at the moment, though, that every year there will be certain teams that get pounded harder um, yep. for, from you know, in origin than others. And and not only that, obviously with a 24-round competition, they're not playing each other twice. So there's other teams that get a, an easier draw um, than than the team that might be next to them um, due, merely because they don't have to play the tough teams twice. There's some teams that play all the tough teams twice and there's others that only play them once because of the way I that think- the draw works. Boiling all that down, it's where you, regardless of what you think about how they play, how they've been put together, etc., etc., etc. It's why you've got an appreciation for what Melbourne is able to do. Oh, totally, and Brisbane every, every year, and Brisbane. Um, I mean, yeah, but Melbourne are the ones who have, have been there pointy end more often than not yeah. at the end of the regular season. Yeah, uh, it's it's something that is clearly learnt as well. I mean, that's the part of it um, that is the most impressive is that Bellamy has worked out that you know. I'm going to use these the, the two players that come straight to mind and they've had a lot of fill-in players here and there and everywhere. I sat on the sideline in 2016 before that um, Canberra-Melbourne prelim final yep. with Felice Cafusi mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and we did a, a thing for NRL Facebook, a, a Q&A, and he had desire to play first grade, but he didn't know whether that would happen, all right? Because he'd had injuries for the last two years before that. Mm. Nice fella, but like you could see, it was it was like, I hope I do end up coming back and playing. He is now an international footballer. Yeah. Joe Stimson was, uh, I think he's son of um, Mark Stimson, the old our main player but oh, yeah, yeah. he was he was you know he got a chance at, at Melbourne I think he was possibly at South I'm not 100% sure about that he was at lower grade somewhere else he got picked up at um, Melbourne he's been a bit part player for you know two seasons now but he got his chance this year to play regular first grade hmm. and now he's keeping Ryan Hoffman on the bench yeah but don't, don't, don't forget though can, don't, yeah. don't forget with Bellamy who he did his apprenticeship under you know he did his apprenticeship yep. under the old band you know, yep. Wayne Bennett, and you know, a lot of people like to take the piss out of Wayne Bennett and and you know have no, a joke about all, him. Yeah. But mate, he he's you know he he's a wily old fox, and he knows yep. he, Wayne Bennett at Penrith next year. You know, we've talked about you it. You think? Anyway, I think so. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, let's um, wrap up the games. There, we need to touch on the NRLW. It's uh, kicking off this weekend. Yep. Um, chance for you to get to see some uh, rugby league. Uh, doubled up basically through this finals uh, campaign. That's how they've set the uh, the agenda for how the draw will work. So pretty much there'll be a uh, NRLW game before the semifinals. We've got the Roosters Warriors playing at ANZ and then the Broncos and Dragons making a true double header on Sunday. Have you been in and around any of the camps at all uh, doing shoots or anything like nah, that uh, and talking to the players, Foxman? No, I, I did... Um, when I did those Fox promos for the last few weeks that are airing now on Fox for the finals. some In a couple of those, we had a few of the girls um, come in and um, I, I did a shoot with the Dragons a few weeks ago now, just when their jersey was announced and whatnot. Um, and I know a few of them from the, from the, um, uh, from the Australian team and from the New South Wales team. They're all great. I, I love them. As you know, I, yep. I love Women's Rugby League. I think it's fantastic. I guess my question into that is how excited are they about it? Is my oh, they're big bouncing, question. man. They're bouncing. Yeah. You know, they're bouncing off the walls. They, they're they're really excited to not only to not only have their you know their their version of NRL, the women's NRL, um, but to play in front of have the chance to play in front of some of those crowds. Um, That's the thing. And I really do hope that the fans get out early to watch the games yeah, so because it's good footy. It's really good footy, mate. Um, you know, it's uh, think of think of an uh, think of the most entertaining under 20s game that you've watched except with good defense and that's what a women's game's like it's really good it's it's something to behold uh, people so if you are heading to any of the semis in uh, at ANZ or Suncorp this weekend make sure you get there for the game because um, they'll be played a couple of hours uh, before the NRL match mm. uh, I have absolutely no idea who to pick to win their premiership Roosters Warriors Broncos or Dragons mate well I think what I think you got to look just look at their their squads and go who's got the most um, Australian players the most Gillaroos or who's got the key Gillaroos and and I, I really like the look of Saints because my favourite Gillaroos player um, or my two favourite Kezi Apps and Sammy Bramner are both playing for St yep. George uh, along with um, Talisha Quinn um, and, and a host of others a few Kiwi players in there too I like the look of Saints wherever Ruan goes I, I like I love Ruan yep. so Roosters will be strong as well and I think I think Matty Studden's playing for the Roosters, um, the the halfback. So, um, 
But I, I, I'll say, who, who's playing in the first round? When do the Roosters and Dragons are on opposite sides of the draw? I think, are they? So it's Roosters, Warriors, and then Broncos, Dragons. Because okay. there's only four teams. I, okay, I, I would say I would say that the Roosters and the Dragons will play in the final. I'm going to go Warriors to win the whole thing. Whoa. Dude. Huge call. Yeah, go on. Uh, and they're going to beat your Dragons because, you know, just misery loves company and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, we're going to come back after the break and talk about a, a, a little guy who uh, played... A lot of big games uh, on not the footy show. Not the footy show. show? Okay, it's time to talk about a certain Jonathan Thurston Cocksmith as we sort of wrap up the final stages of Not The Footy Show, episode 186, the NRL Finals Week 1 preview. JT has played his last NRL game. Yep. Uh, there's good odds he'll play the uh, All-Stars game next February. Hope he does, yep. Uh, so do I. Um, having said that, it was brilliant to see the crowd up there on the Gold Coast Uh last Saturday night. Mm. It's great to see him play good footy at the back end of the year. He did play really good football. Yeah. Um, I've been, you know, quite vocal in, I don't think he's had a great year at all mm. um, for a bunch of reasons. Uh, the team as a whole, disappointing season. They should have been contending and playing in big games yep. at this time of year. I agree, yep. But what I wanted to sort of just refer to is just the impact. And this isn't, in no way a criticism of Jonathan Thurston. I'm just going to prefix that at all. Mm. But it just shows you 12 to two, two years ago, when you're talking about the greatest player of all time, JT's right at the top of the list, correct? Yep. He's in that, he's in that, you know, that handful of like the Joeys, the Wally Lewis's, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Top 10. Yep. I know that we, he had a massive going away party and everyone, you know, but did you find, I found anyway, in this, the, the punditry and just people I spoke to, when you have a poor year, whether it be yourself or the club that you're with, it takes a bit of the shine, not off your career, but how you are then spoken to as you depart. He is a top five player in what I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like if he'd, if he'd gone out two years ago, I'm not saying he should have retired, but if he'd gone out two years ago on the end of that, um, grand final victory. Um, do you think he would have been considered the greatest of all time? And I don't mean that in a very loose uh, goat and like garbage. I just think that it's funny how the moment dictates how yeah. people view a player. I know exactly what you're saying. Regardless of his career. I, I agree with you in one sense, but I also, uh, you know, I want to throw the spotlight in another way. If if JT had have retired the moment after they beat the Broncos in the grand final. I think he would have. I think that the praise that would have been lauded upon him would have been even more than what he probably deserved. So I guess what mm-hmm. you're saying is, you know, if he goes out on a year where they've had a bit of a barry, do people say, oh, you know, it was good, but maybe he wasn't as good as everyone was going on about. But if he goes out at the top of his game and wins a premiership, people are, you know, dancing in the streets in Townsville um, as far as you know, celebrating his his career look i think anyone that knows anything about football will understand that jonathan thurston is you know probably one of the best um 
uh, you know, of all time, he's probably in in the top five halfbacks of all time. Um, yep. In the last ten years, he's ranked number one or two um, as far as halfbacks. And and you know, both he and Kronk played together a lot of football and and shared that halfback position because um, JT would often wear the six. Um, you know, there's lots of guys. When you're saying when you're saying you know, who's the best halfback of all time. It's so hard to pick, you know. It's it's best to pick a top 10 and just deal with that and shuffle them in and out as you think fit. But, I, mate, I think I think it's he's definitely had a disappointing year, um, but he, he hasn't been Robinson Crusoe either. Like, he hasn't been on his own <laughs> up up there in, in, in yeah. um, Townsville. They've, in Mexico. Yeah, I was going to say in Melbourne, <laughs> in Townsville. Um, he, he hasn't been on his own. There's been a few players playing unders um, for what... For what you expect from them again they look like a tired football team they look Mm. tired at the start of the year but they have played a heck of a lot of footy they have and that's the other thing you know it it all adds up it's a funny uh element and uh, you you kind of made my point that i was trying to make without sounding like i was being critical but it's it's more my view on how the moment the prisoner of the moment argument always yeah we will be gushing about cameron smith this time next year yeah we will be because i don't expect melbourne to be um, poor next year, even if um, I suspect he'll retire at the Slater. end of next year, and, that, and that's I think that's that's natural. But I mean, we'll have that moment again where everyone will say everything great about a player as he finishes, and I think where I I just think that the people have been a little bit not harsh, but the accolades for JT they need to remember that this is part of the whole career. Yes, but he's still gone out giving everything he, he could and that's the bit that oh, has yeah. always been so endearing for from I know us and our conversations around JT is yeah. that just the competitive nature of him yeah. is just unsurpassed and that's the thing that would probably almost disappoint him the most is that this will rankle him for the next five years Yeah, the way that they've finished their, their yeah, season it, this it, year it, and the way that his career's ended it might haunt him a little bit mate but um, just you know if he, if, he, if he ever wants to get out of that depressive state he just has to go and watch his highlights on YouTube he was a freak <laughs> um, uh, you know really he was a, a gigantic freak but who knows if if, if Cam- he, he comes a, he comes a little hypothetical for you yep. first of all if if Melbourne win the grand final this year does Cameron Smith hang him up? I think it'll come down to that feeling. I don't think it'll happen straight away. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he does, if he has that same feeling that he had last year right. after Origin. If he feels like I've given everything. I mean, he, he. I don't think he's re-signed yet. I think that's probably, if he wants to play, they'll let him play. Yeah. Like Melbourne, of course. But yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm's possibility, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Here's the other thing. If... If next year he plays, um, even if they do win the grand final, he decides to play, and um, you and I, I, I know that you have a love-hate relationship with Cam just because of the way he plays football and the way he wrestles, and yeah. and, and yeah. you know, I, I love the way he plays. I think he's, oh, he's, he's an unbelievable a, footballer. He's the greatest hooker yeah. that I've ever seen. Now, um, if if he plays next year, and let's just say he has lots of games like that one against South where he's made yep. to look like an old man. Do people do what feel the same way as what they, what you say they may be feeling I about think first they, and then? They do, mate. They do. No no player I think that's is a real above, shame, mate, because you know. I know, but I, that's more my that's more the whole point I'm trying to make here is that we are we are brutal. We're fickle. Uh, that's what we we yeah, are. And and look, 
it's funny. Like I actually reckon, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here. Mm. I think Joey's brilliance is more appreciated now than it was when he was playing because people were so keen on picking apart his other things when he was playing. Yeah, and you could and you could never. Oh, he's got all these issues. He's doing this. He's doing that. You know, there's. I think it was was oh five or oh six. He had a year that just was unbelievable. I think it was oh six. He played unbelievable. Mm. It's as good as I've ever seen anybody play for an entire season. He he did. I've watched a lot of football. He did, mate. And and you know, as you know, I'm I'm a real fan of Joey's, but I haven't seen anyone play as consistently as good as Smith. And I'm including everyone. Mm. Um, yep. In in the the time that I've been working in football. And following football because you know I, I followed football quite closely before I started working it, um, and I, I was a very much of a student of the game. I've never seen anyone play consistently as good as Cameron Smith does, and I've never seen anyone have such an effect on on a rugby league match as Cameron Smith can have. Yep, including Joey. Um, yep. Oh, there's no doubt Joey had his ups and downs at different points, but and, yeah. and he still got it. You know, like I, I throw back to that game where where they Melbourne played Saints. You know, probably six weeks ago now, um, on a night game, and and Cameron Smith. Oh, it was fifty odd points each. Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. That was he played brilliantly that that night. that night. Absolutely, he did, and he isolated and recognised whenever he could see Jason Nightingale standing in the middle um, yeah. because he was playing second row. Mind you, everybody sitting at home could see that and just go, "Why just wouldn't?" Run oh, it totally. But, night? The, but he he executed the replays yep. that Channel Nine were showing where. Smith was at dummy half before the, the ball had been played and he'd look up and you saw him looking at him. He'd look at him yep. and just isolate him and, and made him, made poor old Nightingale look quite the fool. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely not a middle player, he's a winger. Um, so Cameron Smith still has it, but, you know, mate, people, people get old, you know. You get old and you, you lose your, you lose lots of things, you know, and, and physicality, you lose your physicality, you you. you you know, if you play a lot of football games like he has, you may even may not want to admit it, but you lose your 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 lust to win and to play. You've won. So, he's won everything. What hasn't he won? Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, yeah. You can only eat so no, much. That's a very good point. Um, finally, we'll end up on, and we'll probably talk about more JT in the future at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, we might actually be able to get him on the show once now he's retired. Um, he yeah. might be, that might be achievable. Yep. I'd like that. I'd like that. That would be that would be very good. You can pay for the flights to Townsville. Uh, he owns an the, airline. I don't need to. Oh, okay. Um, your favourite memory of JT? Now, grand finals yep. are great and all I've the rest of one. it, but is there like a is there a moment yep. that you had? I've got one where you actually spent time with him. Go for it, mate. Okay, so a couple of years ago, um, and everyone knows that the best way to someone's heart if they've got kids is through the kids, right? Because yep. so a couple of years ago, I was asked to go and shoot some Australian headshots. Um, at Coogee, at the, um, what's it called? The, 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 the hotel there at Coogee where they always stay. And all I, I only had to shoot two headshots and it was for something to do with yep. Indigenous players playing for the Kangaroos. All I had to do was shoot Greg Inglis and JT. So I shot GI. He's always great, GI. You know, yep, he said he g'day, shook hands, had a bit of a laugh. He stood there. I just, you know, got a, you know, had him on a white background, just standing on a white background. Uh, just going bang, 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 bang. Three minutes later, he walked away. With JT, I needed to do something slightly different. So he comes in and I had a few different change the shirts for him. Now, I had my son with me and it was a bit late in the night. Like it was about 8 p.m. at night that I had to shoot these. Mm-hmm. And Nathan, my son, was sitting 
next to the the white screen but kind of behind and almost in the shadows he was lurking like a little lurker in the shadows but he's just sitting there like watching me work and jt didn't notice him straight away and he went to change a shirt and saw him there and now jt's a fairly quiet kind of a bloke he he doesn't say a whole lot like he he was he's very friendly but you know engaging i don't think he readily engages in conversation with people he doesn't know very well you know and i guess that comes from years of being having lots of people around who wanted a piece of him you know and he doesn't know whether you're arthur or martha and you know i've met him a few times but anyway my son's sitting there and he sees my son and he says g'day mate and nathan says hi and he says what's your name and nathan said you know my name's nate he goes all right and he walked over to nate and he starts talking to him you know like he was almost like an old friend and I get the feeling, you know, he's very good with kids and I get the feeling that he just feels maybe a little more comfortable around kids and probably understands that the kids, you know, kids aren't sinister. Kids don't really know how to angle and, you know, like adults do and he feels less threatened, if you like. Um, Yep. And he he had a little moment and I I said, oh, mate, do you mind if I grab, grab you for a photo with Nathan? He goes, yeah, mate, no worries. And Nate walked out onto the white background and we got this lovely photo. Um... But yeah, that, that's my one of my good memories of, of non-playing yep. Thurston. I've got so many, you know, when he kicked that winning field goal in the grand final against the Broncos, uh, I remember that one, and you know, I got some great shots of it. And he's been a delight to shoot over the years, mate. He's um, he's made my job easier. Yeah, it's certainly the bit that came to mind. Look, that end of that grand final was amazing and there's some some real human elements in that that are, are mm. fantastic but i'm going to go to something that just was a thrill for me yep so 2015 flew up to the gold coast the all-stars were up there um that weekend headed out there um with a guy you know reese carter who i think still works at the nrl yeah, he does, yeah. um and we went went over and we just were given a whole bunch of gopros um to try and capture something at the training session for the um, all-stars and anyway, we rock up and got the idea. Let's strap a GoPro to a football. Yep. And if we can get JT over, what we'll do is we'll set him up. We'll put him on the sideline, whack a, uh, a GoPro on his head, whack a GoPro on the football, and just see what happens, see what we get. Yep. First, as you say, the first sort of couple of minutes, it's like, oh, what do you want me to do? You're okay, you want me to do that? All right, yep. And it's like, you know, he's going through the motions a bit which i understand um you know you're not sure how it's going to go yeah. anyway, we strapped the ball and put the um gopro on the ball and we're like we'll see how this goes anyway he runs in kicks it and the gopro just explodes it goes everywhere <laughs> and he just lets out this that laugh that you just know all right yeah. and he sort of just all of a sudden turned from i'm going to do this for you to this is actually gonna be fun the next 20 minutes i am sitting behind the goalposts and I am playing ball boy as JT just kicks the life out of a football for the next ten minutes. <laughs> um, and the and the next we make sure we tape the thing really well the next time. But he's smiling, he's playing with the camera. We got this piece of content that I found this week, and I was going to show it. Um, don't love drawing the old attention, but I'll, I'll share it on the um, not the Footy Show Facebook page. It's Facebook.com/slash/NRLPodcast, and you can have a look. But mm he just had a great time once it once he just once he was into that comfort zone yeah it was it was on like donkey kong and i i just love the fact that you know then i could say it now i can say it yeah i just played catch with jt yeah so that's all i did um <laughs> yeah. but he the fact that he he just loved 
once he once he bought in what we were doing and why we were doing it, we were basically just trying to show off JT the personality while he was doing this. Yeah. What we got from the ball spinning through the air, it was cool. But the best part of the whole video and the whole reason that I wanted to do it was to capture him. Yeah, just interacting with this little camera, which ultimately was a window for the fans to see what JT does when he was taking a kick. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It wasn't so much oh, where is the ball going through? It was just here's JT, and if I could get him into that comfort zone, and he was good enough to do it, um, and you know that was one of the highlights for me was yeah. just seeing him buy into what you were proposing. Mm, um, mm. And there was no guarantees going into that whether that was going to work. Yeah. Um, but what we ended up with um, was pretty fantastic. So that's my memory of JT. Yeah, good one. I think we've got to wrap up, Cocksmith. I think we've been going for a while. Before um, we do, mate, can I just yeah. have a quick, just just a, a real quick one? Um, uh, last week before last, uh, a fellow who I knew pretty well, Lance Thompson, died. Yes. And I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to pay tribute to Lance. Hundred percent. Now. I didn't know. I knew Lance very well as a youngster. I, he and I both played for the same junior football club, Hurstville United. We both yep. went to the same high school, Kingsgrove High School. In saying that, I never played football with him because um, I'm six years older than him, um, and I never went to school with him because I'd left school by the time he went to my high school. But yep. my my younger cousins, Jason and Ryan, uh, were very good mates of Lance's, so I got to spend a bit of time with Lance. And he was a tremendous fella, Lance. He was a supremely fit um, youngster when he was, yep. you know, when he was young. He's maintained that fitness all throughout his football career. He was a, a gifted triathlete, um, mate. I, I, I saw him play a, a grand final one day in the under thirteens for Hurstville. Um, sorry, it was under four. No, under thirteens, and I was playing under eighteens. And uh, it was at Jubilee Oval, and um, I still remember his team were, were trailing, going into the sheds at halftime, and um, being one of the senior players, um, I went into the sheds to have a listen to the coach talk at halftime, and the coach didn't talk, but Lance did. As a 13-year-old, he gave the halftime speech to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went out and kicked goals from the sideline in the second half, a number of them, and they ended up winning the game by, by 12 points. And that was really what Lance was like. Lance was very hands-on. Um, yep. As I say, he, he, he played for Kingsgrove High School. Kingsgrove High School, not many people would even give a rats about Kingsgrove High School, but they won a Commonwealth Bank Cup. And they won a Commonwealth Bank Cup with, with Lance playing and with Anthony Mundine in the same team and um, a, a host of other Junior St George players, some of, you know, a couple of which were my cousins. And I remember that a month uh, a month before they played in that 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 you know that coveted Commonwealth Bank Cup final, Lance broke his jaw in a game, one of the the games leading into the finals, and um, he had his jaw wired. And any, yep. anyway, um, when they uh, when he went to play in in, he was told he won't wouldn't play again that year. And leading up to the the week of the final, he told the teacher that he'd be playing in the final and the teacher Mr Sutherland really good man said uh, you won't be playing he said I'll be playing and he turned up to the game and he had his gear bag with him and the teacher said mate you can't play he said I'm playing he said Lance you got your jaw wide you're not playing he said yeah my jaw's wide now but it won't be by the time we kick off 
He pulled out a set of side cutters out of his gear bag and he cut the wires out of his jaws and pulled, and there was blood and shit everywhere. You know, like the blood was coming out of the wires. It was running down his mouth. Wow. He went out and played and broke the jaw in the final again. Yep. And um, he was tough, mate. He was a good man. He was. And and I remember, you know, transitioning from, from a, a hacky football player like I was into a photographer hacky photographer as well but I remember seeing Lance quite a lot on the sidelines and he always said g'day he always remembered where he came from it was tremendously sad to to hear of his passing at at a young age of 40 years old and um, you know my heart goes out to his family I know that they were all very close so um, you know good on you Lance you mate you're a good bloke and a a very very good player so just wanted to say that it's really well said Cocksmith and and thanks for bringing that up it would have been remiss of us to have um, I overlooked that. Mm. My initial memory of him is he was two years older than me. Yeah. Um, and I remember seeing him. He debuted in 95 as 18, um, an 18 year old, but he ended up playing uh, in the final series of, of 1996. So he played a grand final at 18 years old. Yep. That's the. I remember just thinking, like, this kid's like basically my age and he's up against the heroes that I grew up like just idolizing yep. um, and that's something that always stuck with me is that he just played above he wasn't huge at that stage I think even by the time he finished his career he was never a, a he, he obviously worked on his body and all the rest of it but he was just one of those goers and you always loved playing in a team that had a goer like him oh mate um, look he, he, we, you know. there was a running joke that he, he would often say that you know he'd, he'd you'd say to him how much you weigh Lance and he'd kind of look at you with that, that grin and that glint in his eye he'd say you know 103 and mate, he was ninety-seven at best. You know, he yep. wasn't a big player, but um, you know, anyone that played against him or watched up close, watch him play, um, you know, he was just strong, and and he never gave up, never ever ever gave up. You know, so his career spanned from ninety-five to two thousand and eight. Yeah, um, he played two hundred and thirty-nine games in the NRL for St George, St George Illawarra, and Cronulla. Um, rest in peace, Lance Thompson. We'll be back after the break on the Woody Show. Okay, we're back on Not The Footy Show. It's episode 186. We're wrapping things up. Um, it's been a marathon, but uh, I think if I am able to get through the edit, you will have a podcast uh, for the morning, or it is morning. Cocksmith, it's been some developments in the last 10 days or so, and they've been really near and dear to your heart. We haven't mm. brought it up before, but mm. people know of this famous WhatsApp group, the Amco Cup WhatsApp group, yep. and... Um, you had to campaign to get in, mate. You had to campaign really hard. Oh, mate, I worked I gotta hard. I've got to say, I worked you, hard. You, you, you put the hard yards in in yeah. those first few weeks yeah. and those first few months. Mm. Um, people really put you on a pedestal. They mm. went, we want Cocksmith as part of this. Yeah. About a month ago, things changed, mate. Um, can you can you take us through what happened? Well, I, I fell foul of the sheriff, basically. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I did. I think it was more what I didn't do, which was participate because I was uh, deep in the, into a into a season of rugby league as well as uh you know uh working doing other things that i do which as you know is a lot of filming and and things and i was busy and i couldn't participate so he he shafted me he said no you've offered nothing you you what did he say he said you you 
whinged and moaned to get in here, and and in the last few weeks you've offered nothing. So he out, out, he basically don't name and shame, Cocksmith. Name and shame. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to embarrass Nico on this platform, mate. All right. He, Just to be clear, that's not me. He ousted um, me like like someone wants to oust doused, mm. and basically I was out in the cold. I was shivering. You were. I mean, it, you know. I mean, I was. I was taking phone calls from you late at night. Late, um, late, late. Yeah. I, I was trying to just, you know, bring you back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then there was a. And I gave light, up, mate. I gave up. You, you did, didn't I? You did. I just, I, then, my hands then out of the blue, air. I waved the white the blue, flag, I, and just said, "I got a message. I'm out. I got a message asking me. He said, mate, do you have do you have Coxsmith's number? Mm. I want to add him back in. Mm. And I, I I I did. I said. I said to young Bradley, I said, mate, you're not you're not his favourite person, all right? Mm. You just you gotta understand that what you've done it could be a rocky emotional ride. individual. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's he 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 will he will forgive potentially, but I can tell you right now, mm. you ain't gonna forget mm. he brought you back in and, and what was that feeling like? Oh Tom? mate, it was like you know what it was like? It was like I could imagine being an illegal immigrant being cast out onto Manus Island, and then all of a sudden, the Prime Minister says, "Ride in, ride with me in my private jet back to Sydney. Come in, welcome, welcome, Ahmed. Come into our <laughs> lovely country and enjoy the fruits of our labour." So I was welcomed back into the fold. And uh, so, do we do we rename him to Brad the Potato Nicholson, or do we call him Brad Dutton Nicholson? What do we call him? I reckon we call him. I reckon we call him. Brad Turnbull Nicholson. <laughs> so are you suggesting that there's going to be a leadership challenge and you'll be out as commissioner very, very soon? Well, no, no. I would never, ever suggest that. I'm not suggesting that I'm gathering numbers or anything like that. I'm trying to, you know, look for a knifing in the back of, uh, um, you know, Prime Minister Brad. But I will say that when I did get invited back in, it was a nice feeling. And I, I you know, I, I, I think I... I've offered a little bit in the last week or so since I've been back. I'm happy to be back. I'm sure that I'll get shafted again the moment that the season's over. I'll, I'll find out that I've been removed again, and that's fine. Um, all I can say is that I've enjoyed my 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 tenure thus far, and I hope hopefully it'll continue. But I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, uh, it is worth mentioning that. Um... Brad did win the actual fantasy league that was attached to this WhatsApp group. So well done. He's taken out the MCO Cup for 2018. He had one other question for you, Cogsmith, yep. and this is legitimate, all right? Go on. What did you do for Mad Monday when you were playing? Well, mate, I never played NRL, so I, I was never I was never invited to any of the big boys' dues. But, you know, I think um, I do remember one year, uh, probably the same year that um, I mentioned before, uh, in our under 18s with Hurstful, my but my best ones were with Hurstful because when you played, you know SG ball and Jersey flag, you you played eight games a year and then you that was it, it was over unless you played finals. Um, but you know I, I was obviously playing club football as well, uh, where you'd play 16, 18 games a year, um, and we did have a, well I'm not going to mention names and I I'm not going to break out the <laughs> photographs. But we did take one trip to the Philippines one year, which was, um, let's just say it was kind of wild. It was um, a coming of age for a young 18-year-old cocksmith. <laughs> um, I lost my innocence in Manila. 
and the question then follows up and I'll ask it for the whole WhatsApp group. Yep. How much are you paying in child support every week? <laughs> well, the equivalent of around about three cents Australian. Not the footy show. Is that good enough, mate? That was good, mate. <laughs> All right, let's say goodbye. Cheap, mm-hmm. nasty, mm-hmm. and downright boring. Not the footy show. show. Okay, that's episode 186 of Not the Footy Show. I've been Warwick Nicholson. That's been Rob Cox. You can follow Rob on the Twit, uh, where he does like liking things on Twitter. He mm-hmm. never writes anything, but he does like liking stuff. Yep. That's R- at R-O-B-B-C-O-X. Mm-hmm. And he's also on the Instagram under the same address. Uh, you can get me on Twitter. Uh, combination Chow Min, basically, from me. You can get me at, at W-D-N-I-C-O-L-S-O-N mm. or at NRL Tweet. Um, don't worry about Instagram. Uh, Facebook.com slash NRL Podcast. As I said, I will put up that video of JT kicking the ball Yeah. Uh, to me from the Gold Coast. Um Cocksmith, if you've got a really cool photo of uh, JT that you would love to share there as well, click it to me and we yeah, will post it. Yeah, I'll see if I can find the celebration from that drop goal. I'll see. Indeed. I, um, I might even have it on the computer, yeah, to be grab fair. It. That's the one. Um, That's my... but, I, but I don't know where I would be. So if you do have it somewhere on your hard drives, please feel free to flick it to me. Yep. Um, I do have something to announce, though. I have Winfield Cup, at Winfield Cup on Twitter. Ooh. Uh, I had this account for a while. I haven't touched it for a long time, but mm. I'm making gifts of great Winfield Cup moments. All right, mm. just little bits and little bite-sized pieces. Mm. So at Winfield Cup on Twitter, it's the perfect platform for the old gifts. Um, I've got uh, the Gold Coast celebrating their win over Brisbane for their first ever premiership win in uh, 1988. I've got Meninga raising the trophy from '94. I've got Benny Elias getting coat hanged by um, Craig uh, Brad Izzard from um, 1988. Oh, I've got um, mm. <laughs> I've got Parramatta fans actually being seen at finals games in 1985. I've got the Bulldogs lifting Steve Turvey Mortimer onto the, their shoulders after winning in 85. I've got a couple of things there that should give you a bit of a an appetite for what is going to come. Mm. Um, I'm basically and I'm unashamedly saying this is just purely just celebrating um, great moments in football. I get no benefit out of this. It's just one of those little tests for me that I want to see if it. Yeah. Um, has an appeal for people. Um, Can- I'm using basically, I, I mentioned it earlier, The I hate using that. Sorry, I apologize everyone I said that out loud. I um, hate the Anasta Gaznierism. <laughs> but I grabbed it all from, uh, this is on YouTube, um, those magic moments. They just, it was, it's one of the greatest series of rugby league videos you will ever see. Mm. Just look for it, all right? It is just, it is a great way to understand the history of what we believe is the greatest period of rugby league. Uh, and I'm just basically reworking them. I've done a little um, a mock-up for a thumbnail, like a, a overlay down the bottom that I think looks very Winfield Cup-ish. So mm. check out at Winfield Cup. Um, I'll also be putting some of them on a Facebook page, which is the same. So it's facebook.com slash um, Winfield Cup. Uh, but that's something that you might just want to have a look because I'm going to be using that in other areas of, of my professional... Sounds uh, good. You know, that sort of idea. So Sounds good, have man. a look at it, see what you think. Um, Cocksmith, anything else to, to tell the world before we wrap up and look forward to a big weekend of rugby league? Nah, mate, bugger all. i got nothing. Nice. Uh, as I said, uh, we've enjoyed <laughs> uh, getting back together, having a chat. Uh, it's spilled over massively. Uh, I will do my best to run through this quickly, get, get it edited, it, have some dinner, you and you guys and girls can enjoy the podcast tomorrow. Make sure you head over to Insta, uh, to fa- uh, what do you call it? You, uh, iTunes, that's the one. Oh, and uh, <laughs> if you can give us a uh, ranking, we'd love it. Yeah. Um, and if you just want to uh, tell us that you actually half enjoyed this show, that would be fantastic. It is always nice to hear 
from everybody out there who actually listens to the show, all six of you, as Cocksmith um, did the maths earlier. Mm-hmm. I've been Warwick Nicholson. I'm Rob Cox. And we'll see you next time on Not The Footy Show. Pepsi. Not The Footy Show. Show? Hey, um... Mate, you know what you got to make a gif of? I was just thinking. What's that? You know, yeah, yeah no, you, look, you remember that? Get me ideas, man. Remember that? Remember that scrum with um, uh, what's his name? Les Davidson, and um, it was, it was South v Penrith. What was the? Yep. What was the the bloke's name? Was it <sighs> Peter Nobby Clark? Nah, he basically. No. So they're, they're both front rowers. David, they go to pack down, and something happened, and Davidson uppercut him. Matt Goodwin. Nah. Davidson uppercut him and it and it basically the headgear flew off. He's wearing headgear. Um, Peter hold Kelly. On. Peter Kelly. So Peter Kelly's wearing headgear. They went to pack down. He said something or something's happened. Davidson's uppercut him and the headgear went flying. And, yeah, and Peter, that would look awesome as a gift, wouldn't it? Yeah, and Peter Kelly's looked up as if to say, "What the? <laughs> f- <laughs> That's f- hilarious, man." Pepsi. <laughs>